Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License, flight number 59, with service to Townsville. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, if you misplaced your sugar, spice, and everything nice, please make sure to press your call button, as it appears someone also misplaced their chemical X on this plane. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max Singer and Rich Inman. How are you boys doing today? God, I hate when I misplace my chemical X. They they always search they always search it and it's only three point five ounces but I, I always lose it. See, I always hide my chemical X in trail mix just in case TSA is a little bit weird about it. But this is how we end up on a no flight list from a podcast. <laughs> no, Max. no, guys, it, it it's cool. I have this uh, this thing that's only one compound off of chemical X. No. It's totally oh. cool. It's totally cool. No, don't do that. Uh, well. Boys, this week we are talking about Powerpuff Girls, um, and I'm really excited to dive <laughs> Just in. Just that's the thing you wanted three dudes talking about yeah, the Powerpuff exactly. Girls. Uh, three dudes <laughs> talking about three young Buckle women. <laughs> three smoke, smoke them if you got them. Three little women. Uh, but you know, before women we stories dive, matter. <laughs> before we dive in too deep, uh, and that's. Really important for this podcast. <laughs> Max, do you mind telling folks what this uh, podcast is all about? So here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous or, in some cases, infamous shows. We learn a little bit more about how these shows came to be and were originally made. If they're effective pilot episodes and making us want to watch more and if we think they can be made today... Go back and check out our episodes wherever you get your podcasts from. Learn about some old favorites or discover something new. Check us out on YouTube to see three dudes. And if it is your first time flying with us, then welcome aboard. (laughs) And Rich, what is your question of the week this week? So the Powerpuff Girls, obviously, aside from Chemical X, are made with sugar, spice, and everything nice. And I would love to know... As a Powerpuff Girl yourself, you are made of sugar, spice, and everything. What? Ooh. Max, what are you thinking? Oh, man. This is taking me back to our uh, to our Iron Chef secret ingredient. Um, I, I What am I? Sugar, spice, and everything achy? Does achy work as an adjective in this? <laughs> That's absolutely great. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I would say if I said caffeine, I'd be explaining Rich. So I don't think that's fair to steal his answer. Uh, but I would probably say sugar, spice, um, and everything creatine. Uh, just to be very much on brand for myself. Uh, Rich, what about you? What is your uh, What is your adjective or noun? Well, since you already uh, relegated me to sugar, spice, and coffee, I guess I'm going to go sugar, spice, and anxiety. <laughs> well, that is, um, oh gosh, what a what a fun way to kick things off. Um, before we dive any deeper into Powerpuff Girls, a quick word from our sponsors. Welcome back. Uh, before we dive into Powerpuff Girls, a quick synopsis. Three superpowered little girls constantly save the world, or at least the city of Townsville, from monsters, would-be conquerors, and a few other gross things. Um, 
Sure, yeah. I don't think gross things came up in this pilot, but Max, how did this get made? So today we are talking about the two-part pilot of the Powerpuff Girls, Monkey See, Doggy Do, and Mommy Theorist, which originally aired on November 18th, 1998. And we're going to be talking about the show's creator, Craig McCracken. And I'm actually really stoked to talk about this because McCracken is one of the most influential names in animation of the 90s and 2000s. You've definitely seen his work before, even if you're not familiar with the name. So Craig McCracken is attending Cal Arts when he meets his friend and future collaborator, Gendy Tartakovsky, another name you might know from the 90s animation world. And together they start working on these little animated shorts that get picked up by festivals. During his sophomore year, McCracken creates a project called Whoop-Ass Stew, starring his new characters, the Whoop-Ass Girls, uh, McCracken's inspired to create these based on uh, like luchador fighters, as well as the works of American painter Margaret Keane, who you may know for her subjects having those big, large, expressive eyes, uh, the subject of the Tim Burton biopic Big Eyes from a few years back. Post-college, McCracken is working alongside Tartakovsky on the animated series Two Stupid Dogs. And while he's there, Hanna-Barbera decides to start up this new cartoon incubator project for Cartoon Network in the form of a TV show called What a Cartoon, where each episode would highlight three shorts synced together. The Whoop-Ass Girls gets picked up for What a Cartoon, with a few predictable changes being necessary. The Whoop-Ass Girls become the Powerpuff Girls, and they no longer get their powers from a can of Whoop-Ass, but rather Chemical X. On February 20th, 1995, the short airs on Cartoon Network for the first time alongside Yucky Duck, which you may not know, and one which you may know pretty well, Dexter's Laboratory from his friend and collaborator Tartakovsky. Unfortunately, Powerpuff Girls doesn't really get the best feedback from its first run with What a Cartoon, with test audiences being, quote, disturbed by the girls' designs. <laughs> uh, however, McCracken does get a second shot by Cartoon Network exec Mike Lazo, who encourages McCracken to not change a thing, to not change the animation style and stay true to his vision. And he gets to do a second short in 1996 on What a Cartoon. This time, after airing, is picked up to series by the network. However, while the network was good there, there's one final fun fact where the network was not so good. They actually didn't believe that audiences would be able to tell apart the alliteration of Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup, and pitched to McCracken, what if you named them Pink, Red, and Green? You know, so kids could tell them apart. I think it's, you know, for the best he did listen to them, and that takes us to today's two-parter. Max, thank you for that um, deep dive into Powerpuff Girls, and surprisingly, like, a bit of a wild history as a whole, like, seeing it come on and then come off and then come on again with some controversy as a whole. Um, are y'all ready to dive into Powerpuff Girls? Let's do it. Awesome. Um, so let's start off with this amazing intro. And what I think makes this intro so unique is it gives us all the exposition I think we're ever going to have for Powerpuff Girls as a whole. It very, very iconically, right? Um, sugar, spice, and everything nice. And then accidentally putting our chemical X into this potion. Uh, and then we come up with our Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, Jeff, to your point, as a as an adult college-educated male, I, I really just appreciated having 
all the exposition laid out up top for me because I just wasn't going to be able to keep up with what was happening uh, hmm. without it. But actually, like in all seriousness, I think this is such a smart tool for a children's aimed demographic to just give them that up top to not make them figure things out in the fly. Like so many great cartoons do this where they kind of just shout at you. This is how the show works. Like you think about like SpongeBob where it's like, who is our character? Where does he live? What's his name 17 more times? <laughs> and Powerpuff Girls does that too, where it's like, these are our characters. These are how they were created. This is where they live. Uh, and then we're going to give each of them their own little motif over the main theme so you can tell them apart. We're going to hit you with theme music differences and color differences. There, you got it. Now go buy some toys. Rich, what about you? What What were your thoughts when you saw this intro? Um, first, I mean, just the nostalgia. I used to watch this a lot as a kid. Um, this was definitely on in a similar block to a couple other Cartoon Network shows that I was really into. So I just like let this thing run. And obviously all the characters started coming back. The mayor, Mojo Jojo, the uh, him. Like, I don't think, it, you know, I uh, haven't gotten a lot of him yet, but he or like everything about this show and this intro just screams it's made for kids and this is going to stick with you for a very long time because it's wildly repetitive um i mean we also have that same reverence like you were saying max to the spongebob song and it does i mean call me crazy i think we should bring theme songs back because uh that uh, uh big exposition dump at the top uh, feels like feels right yes Yes, and I am furious for one that the platform which I watched this show dared to ask me if I wanted to skip intro. Oh, 100%. Never skip intro. What what kind of absolute <laughs> monster is skipping intro? The kind of monsters the Powerpuff Girls are beating up. That's who. And, and we're gonna see we're gonna see blood, and we're gonna see brains, and we're gonna see teeth because they're kicking ass and taking names. Yeah, the whoop ass girls are definitely whooping ass, but now they're under a new moniker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, like, one of the things that really caught my eye in the beginning, and I don't want to just spend time talking about this intro, but no, the, music, the, the music is awesome. And oh, while we have this, you know, great, like, absolutely unique, yet somehow nostalgic animation associated with it, um, after we have our narrator explain how the Powerpuff Girls are made, there's 30 additional seconds, basically, of intro of just seeing them beat the shit out of their enemies or the, you know, the villains of this show. I do feel like we probably could talk about this just for the next hour, so we should probably actually move <laughs> into the episode. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, so... The way for those who do not remember or maybe have not watched a children's cartoon named Powerpuff Girls in recent days, uh, the show is broken up into different segments. Uh, in this pilot episode, we're going to talk about the um, two segments of Mon Monkey See, Doggy Do, and Mommy Dearest. And I think that starting off with Monkey See, Doggy Do is such a great way of we got a little bit more exposition. You can't, the, you can't say that with a straight face. You can't say that through a critical lens. <laughs> so let me let me try. We we get a little bit more exposition of I love 
the idea of Townsville is this sleepy city. Uh, literally, like, we have the cars are falling asleep. The the cop is sleeping on his shift. Everyone's asleep. But at the same time, there's one person who's not sleeping. Um, and I really do Who? love... Well, Who? we don't know yet. We don't know yet, Max. I'm God getting there. Um, but I love the use of, and I think something that's really unique to this cartoon, is rather than having a narrator just be basic narration of like, here's the scene we're in. The narrator is cheeky. The narrator is adding this like little sense of adult humor to bring in the folks that are watching this cartoon with their children. And I'm giggling at some of the jokes, like saying, Hey, the professor's sleeping and not figuring out unified theory. Um, And just genuinely, I think that this is such a great way of opening a cartoon for the first time and getting introduced to our main background of Townsville. I, I think also with the with the narration style, it's very much an homage to like those like 50s and 60s kind of like almost PSAs maybe. Where it's like, ah, here's little Timmy, you know, he's learning about, you know, the, the science of growing big and strong in this gym class video we're going to show you. And, and the way they design the houses and the city and Professor Utonium, there's this real uh, clean cut vintage, like 1950s, all American kind of vibe to how they draw it. So Rich, Max and I are sort of focusing on the the animation and focusing on this like nostalgic feel. But like, as you're getting introduced to Townsville, I'm curious what your thoughts are from just the show in general, seeing the Powerpuff Girls, seeing this town and being reminded, you talked about nostalgia earlier. Are you getting anything else from this? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we should touch on this as much as we possibly can, but, uh, two words for you, Mr. Tom Kenny. And I think, uh, uh, obviously, uh, the voice of all of our childhoods, the voice of SpongeBob, also, uh, one of the cast members on Mr. Show and a standup from the eighties and nineties. Um, I mean, his voice is just absolutely timeless. I really, as soon as I, heard his voice at all as the narrator for this i immediately went to go check the imdb for this because i had a hunch that literally everyone is in this show and you know obviously the animation style terrific i love the like the little like almost it it honestly reminded me a bit of the batman cartoon that we were doing um of the uh you know there's motion but also behind it there is like a comic book feel to it and uh, I definitely miss that a lot. And I honestly wish that would come back in, a, uh, in some more shows, but definitely like like Batman slash Hanna-Barbera-esque, I would say. Yeah. And so let's let's move forward a little bit with this plot, because I think that it's fairly simple. Museum gets broken into by this mysterious figure. Uh, we come to find out that the Powerpuff Girls are basically the folks on the job. Uh, You used Batman earlier, Rich, but it seems almost Batman-esque of, hey, the cops have not touched the scene because the museum curator's worried they're going to ruin it. I'm losing my mind watching the Powerpuff Girls (laughs) smash through this museum and then the museum curator just faint as a whole. But we're introduced to our big bad, um, which I love the idea that 
rather than being like, oh, we have to build them up. We have to give this all this exposition and background. It's just, nope, this is Mojo Jojo, right? Like, uh, and Mojo Jojo, and we'll see how many times I can say it without cracking up, uh, is looking for the statue of Anubis uh, to be able to take over the world. Uh, And the way he's going to do that. Which is how you do that is turning everyone into dogs uh, and becoming their master. And I love the use of Mojo Jojo's um, inherent weakness is he is an exposition device, very similar to the Pokedex in Pokemon, of he is going to explain overly what his plan is, how he is doing it, and why it will work, not only for children to understand, but for the adults to be able to laugh at and enjoy as well well the repetition and the letting you know how his plan is going to work is important for children to understand the concept of mansplaining from a young age and that's what mojo (laughs) jojo does best (laughs) so i i love some of the characters that were introduced though because like if you think about this from the perspective of oh this is a pilot we're supposed to sort of like understand everyone the idea that the first way that we meet the mayor is the mayor's sitting behind a desk and then we find out that the mayor's part dog and then the mayor turns full dog. Um, as a child, I think is taking a big leap, but as an adult, I find slightly horrifying and hysterical at the same time <laughs> in this weird combination as a whole. Um, but yeah, we, we see the town of Townsville transform into dogs Um and the Powerpuff Girls have no idea how to solve this problem, almost as if they are children uh, at the same time. <laughs> Craig McCracken definitely paid attention in an art history class at Cal Arts, though, because along with like the, the Margaret Keene stuff that I mentioned earlier, when all of the townspeople are being turned into dogs, they do a recreation of the dogs playing poker painting. Yes. So it's like, listen... This guy remembers two things from a college class, and he <laughs> damn well put him into his pilot. <laughs> um, but, like, rather than dive too deep into the rest of this plot, and, you know, the Powerpuff Girls do somehow find a way to save the day, were there any other big things that you got from this segment that you, like, absolutely loved? Um, other than my big note is... Um, I think the cutest dog on this segment was Mojo Jojo uh, becoming a dog because his adorable costume stays on his body, uh, even though he's transformed (laughs) into a dog. Uh, Two things for me. I love the museum curator who basically says ACAB to the police and doesn't want them bubbling around (laughs) and messing things up. He's delightful. And also, uh, you know, Powerpuff Girls get turned into dogs. They use their dog bodies to somehow still save the day. Uh, more conflict should be resolved by biting someone on the butt. Just give them a good old <laughs> chop on the keister and solve your problems. I just love the use of uh, kid logic in the, well, what's the easiest way to bend everyone to my will? Let's just turn everyone into a dog. We have that technology now. And then I, I do also love the idea of... Um, how do we break the curse? Well, if you Mojo Jojo literally saying, oh, well, thank God you didn't break the statue because that's the only way to break the curse so that the audience better understands the hole in his plot. We love a bad guy. Hen. So genuinely, I think that when you have this plot device and like credit to Roger Jackson, who voices Mojo Jojo, um, 
the the amount of comedic timing that it took for him to do in this voice acting role, I think is critical for this role to even work. And for us to have this hysterical moment of here's the way you uh, ruin me, but I'm going to keep on going. And yes, it's a mix of writing and all that stuff, but genuinely just a delightful moment as a whole. Um, We're not only graced with one amazing segment on this pilot, we have our second segment. Mommy Fierce, I feel like starts in a little bit of a, sadder note which is such an interesting juxtaposition to our almost comical silly um first segment that we had in that we see the life of the professor raising these three young girls but ending the day not only exhausted which is extremely relatable uh but also in a less relatable note extremely lonely and with a portion of his large bed just empty as a whole oh we get it jeff shares a big bed with his wife oh we get it <laughs> yeah per- personally i relate to this too because i spend too much time in my lab worried about my science to uh, to have a family the the other relatable thing though from like more of a kid side is from this you also get the first inkling of Bubbles being afraid of the dark, I think, is the reference they're getting at, where she needs mm. the professor to crack the door open. Like that's that's like a nice moment for for kids too, because it's like you could have superpowers, but you could also like it's still also okay to be afraid of the dark. Like even superheroes have this thing that you relate to, and I feel like it's just a nice thing for like this age group to see. Yeah, and after this really sweet moment, and followed by a very sad moment. Um, we go to the grocery store and this is, we, we talk often about laundry folding shows. This is the moment where you realize this show is not a laundry folding show, or you'll miss very critical details that are amazing comedy. Uh, and I just have the serial names because literally, I don't know if you guys <laughs> saw this, but they had, um, they had this and they, they had the serial names and uh, bubble says, I want this. And it literally says this on the cereal box. <laughs> and then we have Buttercup says, say, no, this is better. Better's on the cereal box. And finally, Blossom says, no, I want this. And then this is on the cereal box. And this is just huge. Amazing. Comedy. Huge Abbott and Costello fans. At, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so cute. They do a similar thing in the first segment, too, where the button that's going to turn the entire world into dogs just says in big words, the button on it. And, <laughs> and I, I like the, the blunt labeling of sight gags. Yeah, this is this is a hundred percent like for adults. I think and this is like this type of humor. This is like if you're great, if you're a parent watching along with your kid, this is like what immediately gets you going. Yeah, and we, as the professor is just overwhelmed, we meet um, this beautiful woman, or man, should I say lady, or should I say a good lady? We meet. <laughs> I'm a good lady. We meet Mrs. <laughs> I'm a good lady in the grocery store. And I absolutely, like, we talked about Tom Kenny just absolutely destroying. Tom Kenny continues to destroy Mm -hmm. as the narrator with his narration of this moment and of the professor's almost infatuation uh, with this mysterious figure that we've just met in the grocery store. Rich, I have a question for you as our 18-year-old Gen Z expert of the podcast. 
does the professor have Riz? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Thank you for coming to the the rich Riz corner. I would say I would rate the professor's Riz. I'd say somewhere on the scale of like two out of ten. Uh, definitely more focused on oh, the that's science. Pretty mid Riz. It's it's pretty pretty mid, pretty low Riz. Pretty pretty absence of pretty absent of Riz. Um, I think I'm a good lady is about to take uh, some pretty serious advantage of that. Yeah. And this, I think of our two segments, I'm happy that this was the second one in all honesty, because I think it's a very, (laughs) of the two, I think it's the lesser of the segments. We have this, oh, we have a demanding new parental figure in the house who is mean and, um, really just undermining the Powerpuff Girls as a whole uh, and almost playing this evil step- stepmother angle up, um, which is a relatable story that's been told throughout history in many different ways. Um, but I love the small details that were used of making this figure that almost seemed angelic in the beginning of the segment turn more and more evil by changing their eye color um, throughout the pilot and having the eyes turn a darker and darker shade of red as we continued on after being this yeah. like almost You won't green. know when I'm evil, but there will be signs. <laughs> um, and like, I guess very predictable ending. Powerpuff Girls reign supreme. Uh, thanks to, you know, I guess the professor got what he needed and then realized, Hey, I don't need this anymore uh, as a whole. But I think the button of this segment was truly a delight when you have this new female figure come in and the Powerpuff girls, although we don't see it, we can only assume beat the shit out of this innocent woman who uh, brought a pie to the professor for kicking a villain out of her home. Uh, Max, what about you? Anything that you got from this uh, segment or any things that you loved about this segment? A uh, big fan of babysitting mayor just screaming, my life is a lie when woke it <laughs> up. Uh, that's a pretty relatable thing to deal with as an adult. Um, also, uh, look, we we skipped over it. We dove right into the sad part of this episode, the professor lying along Jeff, and we completely skipped over the puppet pals, Mitch and Clem, just balking each other over the head for children's entertainment. I mean, I, I, I truly do apologize, Max. That was a critical part of this uh, of this segment. <laughs> I, I applaud Professor Utonia being the smartest man of the world with the dumbest taste in television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... God, it's like it's, it's like making just like a bunch of like Rhodes scholars watch the reality shows that we cover on this. That pod. is that is truly what I've heard from my friends who do have like high stress jobs where or like jobs in television in general where they're just like I don't want to look at anything that I can can compare my own show to. I want you need to I turn the brain off. Schlock. You need to watch two puppets yeah. bonk each other. Over There's the head. a reason why I've <laughs> which we'll be covering in our next week's. Episode. I've seen this trend of TV writers who say their favorite show is Survivor. Uh, and I just like, Mm. it blows my mind. But then I think about it. Yeah. It's a very simple plot, but a very Mm -hmm. relatable story. But then, yeah, you, the brain goes night, night, and you just get to watch people be assholes to each other on an Island while they're starving. Like who, who could ask for anything? That is interesting. 
I, I would say that that would be a good way to just watch, because what you're doing as a writer is you're throwing wrenches at your characters and just seeing how they react to it and just like coming up with like, all right, all right, my character is going to behave this way. And it's like, they're doing that with real, not wrenches, but they're doing it with real, uh, with real challenges for these. No, people. no, no. Survivor is sponsored by home Depot. Don't you know, Rich? It's just, <laughs> it's just chaotic. Welcome Lowe's, back to craftsman survivor. Lowe's is really trying to get that sponsorship for the 55th. I'm going season. Delta. We're covering the four episode flop wrench fight. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that is the end of our Powerpuff Girls pilot. Um, were there any things that you loved about this pilot that maybe we didn't discuss or maybe that you want to shine a little bit more light on? Well, we talked so much about the intro up top. I think we have to bookend it with that outro song, that like 80s mall pop mm-hmm. outro that you get on here too, where again, you just say hard, cold facts about each of the girls, their status of the Powerpuff Girls, how they interact with each other, and then you throw some synths and like '80s guitars, and it rules. Rich, what about you? Yeah, they. I I I couldn't agree more with uh, with Max's on that. You really do get like for for all the emphasis on like how this show is going to be different in the sense that they're going to just like. they're going to show you how to solve the problem. They're going to make it very, very obvious. There's not really going to be an all is lost moment because you can count on the villain to kind of give themselves up in the end. Um, I think what they do here is probably the most commercial aspect of it where all of a sudden like, Oh, here's the facts about each girl. I'm going to now relate to one of them the most and I will be that person. And I'm sure we will talk about that at some point, but uh, that is like, you know, it, it lays a little bit more into the capitalism aspect, which I don't know if that, that that's what they initially wanted. Yeah. And for me, I will say, and I think we've talked about this like lightly, I love a children's cartoon that is also has the jokes for adults, right? I love that yes. so much. I think that there isn't enough of that, that like SpongeBob's another one that we'll probably do on this show and does a fantastic yeah. job of hiding those slightly more mature jokes or like Abbott and Costello style jokes for the adults while the children are just like bright colors moving quickly and flashing. Yay. Um, so yeah, like absolutely think that this show nails it. Um, any wait a minute moments for either of you when it comes to the Powerpuff Girls pilot? Mojo Jojo kicked a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just put that out there really early into this pilot episode. He just kicked a dog. What about you, Rich? To be fair, that dog was a human. It had a human soul. <laughs> uh, everyone knows that the statue of Anubis takes way longer to turn everyone into a dog. You can't just do it like that. Mojo Jojo, like, really suspending some disbelief on this one. You gotta, you gotta really, you gotta really throw the veil over your eyes to believe the statue of Anubis works that fast. Yeah, and I will say I'm not a fan of body horror, so that whole scene of Mojo Jojo <laughs> just like going around and changing humans into dogs was a little bit terrifying, low key. Um, but well, someone's gonna have nightmares. Oh, after I'm, I'm not excited Aww. for sleeping tonight. Um, but we do have an in-flight question. Uh, one more question, and this was brought to you uh, via my DMs, uh, and very simply. Uh, our in-flight question this week was, 
based off of the notoriously failed live-action Powerpuff Girls pilot that almost happened a few years ago, what animated show do you believe has to have a shot at having a failed live-action pilot? So I'm going to go with one that I think should surprise no one. I love Johnny Bravo so much. And I think it lends itself to being live-action so much uh, in every shape or form. You can just get a big, dumb guy (laughs) from Instagram who looks great with his shirt off. And then, like, he doesn't even need to know how to, like, deliver lines. He can just, like, sort of deliver them. And I would watch 30 seasons of it, no less, uh, and just have everyone be, like, Re- like good actors around him, it would be the greatest show of all time. I think uh, I figured it out. Is the guy who played Elvis still pretending he's Elvis? <laughs> it's, it's, it's still Austin, Austin Butler, Butler. Still, it's just we put him in an inflatable muscle man suit. <laughs> oh God, I, I'm I'm so into that. Um, Max, hey, mom, I'm you? not a cartoon anymore. Gosh, I, there there's so many. The thing for me where I'm like, what would be so bad is having as many supernatural elements as possible and we have this really awful trend right now of uh uncanny valley cgi animals i'm, I'm looking at one particular studio here <laughs> hate it. Who's, hate it. who's guilty of this more than any others and they keep doing it and all the animals look so bad so i'm going live action courage the cowardly oh, dog hell yeah that would be amazing because you you get you get human eustace and muriel and then you just get the worst most creepy looking uncanny valley courage the cowardly dog probably voiced by i don't know fucking pat and oswald or something yeah i'm in uh rich what about you what we're not gonna do is start a pat and oswald hate comment here um <laughs> not in my house not in this house um i would go with um and i don't want them to make the characters look like the characters of the cartoon because that's gonna be creepy and like very malformed. Um, I'm going, Hey Arnold. I think it would be, I think that show has like a really nice feel of trying to find yourself in a major city. I, I think Hey Arnold, like very like clearly says it's based in New York, but it's in New York. And I think it would just be like fun to see those stories played out by actual human beings. Um, Don't, find a kid and make their head football shaped. Don't do that. You don't have to do that. It seems like an unnecessary part of the process. Or I know Rich, there are so many underrepresented actors who have football heads. If you cast someone (laughs) with a normal head, you're taking a job away from a football headed thespian. Or, you know, I know it's very popular to go to Turkey to get plastic surgery. So just like send them there for a little while and get it going. Oh, I got a a Brazilian football face. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you so... Oh, the Pele. Well, thank you for that in-flight question. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more at the end of the episode of how to submit those. But let's talk a little bit about history, because this show has a really interesting one. Six seasons, 78 episodes, and three TV specials. Um, The show was actually extremely well-received 
as a whole. We, I think we talked about it in a very glowing light on this podcast as well, but it is featured on multiple um, lists as far as being one of the top animated primetime TV shows um, of all time, which is super duper interesting. Um, but normally when we talk about animated shows and recently, uh, since we've been respecting the SAG-AFTRA and WGA strike, we haven't really talked about awards much. Um, but we get to dust off the mantle uh, because Our Puff Girls has a lot of awards associated with it. Um, for an animated show, it got 19 nominations. Most girls? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it does not have that. Uh, or, excuse me. Ah, uh, damn it. <laughs> future bleeped out, Jeff. Uh, that is a Lena Dunham show that features a lot <laughs> of people who identify as one gender. Uh, but no, the, in this instance... Broke my brain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, they had five wins, but here's the wild part. Three of those were primetime Emmy wins uh, for the show, which is, for an animated... Just not something you hear about. Uh, they were also all for outstanding uh, individual achievement in animation. Um, so, yeah, this it definitely well received. There was a movie. It made about like 33% or excuse me, 50% on its budget, which is considered a success in my book. Um, and then there was also an anime adaption, the notoriously canceled live action, which... I feel like if we get enough demand, if we get, here's the deal. If we get a voicemail, I will make Rich and <laughs> Max record a reading of the pilot script for the failed live action. Uh, the bars at one? One, one person? person. One person needs to do it. And Literally then anyone. I have to convince, <laughs> I have to convince Max and Rich um, actually, no, here's what we'll do. We're going to have a poll on this podcast episode on Spotify. If we get a hundred yes votes on that poll, we're going to record an episode in the future of us reading that script and we'll put it on YouTube as well. <laughs> um, but additionally, we talked a little bit about the music in this. There are multiple soundtracks that are up for sale. That's the only hard media that I was able to find, Rich. I'm so sorry about your DVD collection. Uh, but no also DVD there giveaways. are multiple video games if you are looking to have Power of Puff Girls in your life a little bit more. But uh, an expansive history for a show that has 78 episodes and um, really just what a delight. There also was a reboot in 2016 um, that I feel like I should talk about a little bit, but it's a different version of the show. So enjoy this one. Rich, oh, go for it, Max. Also, I'll just tag on really quick. Forgot this earlier. Uh, what a cartoon. The incubator that created Powerpuff Girls. Also responsible for the likes of shows like Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, Courage the Cowardly Dog, and even a very early version of Seth MacFarlane's Family Guy called Larry and Steve. What? So I'm going to try and find Larry and Steve for all of us. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm down to do Larry and Steve. Um. Rich, what is your game of the week? I'm shocked that there could be a version of Family Guy that wasn't edited for Fox. <laughs> that sounds horrible. That sounds terrifying to watch. All right. 
My game this week is called Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercups. Uh, the first question, and both of you guys can answer in on this. Uh, Maya Bialik plays the titular Blossom, now a host of Jeopardy and, and from the infamous Big Bang Theory cast, also had an arc on what 80s TV staple? Falcon Crest, MacGyver, Cheers, or Taxi? I had no idea she had such a profound, like, like a prolonged, like, child acting career. I never saw Blossom. God, I'm just trying to think of timing here. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to say with timing, MacGyver. Yeah, I, that I, is MacGyver. I think, well done. Yeah, Max, I was going to say, MacGyver definitely <laughs> seems. Thank you. Thank you, Rich, for uh, all that ample time to answer on my end. Yeah, <laughs> MacGyver definitely feels like uh, the right answer. So uh, I'm going to lock in MacGyver before you give that answer, Rich. Wow, Jeff. Jeff, that's correct, Max. I'm so sorry. It's MacGyver. Congrats, Jeff. <laughs> 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 all right. Question number two. Bubbles, Michael Jackson's pet monkey, visited the mayor of this city and had tea with them. New Delhi, India. London, England, Auckland, New Zealand, Osaka, Japan. Osaka. Let, let's get weird. Let's let's do it. Let's let's let let's get weirder. Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeff, you are two for two. It's Osaka, Japan. Well done. Awesome. Bam. And, All oh, right. Jeez. So we got blossom. We got bubbles. Bubbles. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups popularity exploded because of sugar embargoes, World War II rationing, or the New Deal. I I have to go with uh, World War rationing. I have to. God, I'm, I'm so mad because I know for a fact they've covered this on my beloved history channel, <laughs> The Food That Built America. And we if I do don't get this right, uh, I'm going to be so furious. Um, yeah, I I also oh sorry uh uh uh, uh yeah World World War Two rationing. Steven I don't Spielberg I gotta make movie these questions that, harder. <laughs> that's that's my answer, Steven uh, Spielberg. It is, <laughs> it is correct. World War Two rationing. Uh, oh, yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups were exploded in popularity on the shelves because of a rationing for chocolate and sugar. And this is a way to actually put candy on the shelves while focus making the main ingredient peanut butter. Well, Rich. And that's it. That, thanks for playing Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup. Thank you for that really educational uh, various category, uh, Rich's Game of the Week. I actually have my Game <laughs> of the Week. Um, when my partner Alex found out that we were doing this show, she exclaimed which Powerpuff Girl she thought each of us was. And I am going to give you oh, two the opportunity to guess what she tagged each of us as. I'm 100% Bubbles. Rich is Buttercup. Oh, I'm oh. Bubbles for sure. Rich is Buttercup. Rich is Buttercup. No, 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 man. You're, you're, you're the grumpiest one on this podcast. <laughs> you are absolutely Buttercup. <laughs> All right. That's fair. All right. I'm Max, also the dumbest. So. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, Jeff, you are Bubbles and I am Blossom. Rich, do you have a do you have any counters? All I'm, I I still think I'm Bubbles, but uh, 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 let, let's hear it. So Max, you nailed it. Uh, I ah. I was told 
that uh, Max is absolutely Blossom, Rich is 100% Buttercup, and that leaves you to be Bubbles. Uh, so that is that is what I was told. Um, which hey, we'll we'll leave the door open a crack for you tonight, bud. So, <laughs> with all that being said, um, we our flight is coming to a land, and I would love to hear from the two of you. One, um, based off of this pilot, would you continue watching Powerpuff Girls? Maybe it doesn't even have to be a binge. Maybe it's just the occasional viewing, and then two. Do you think Powerpuff Girls deserves a space, maybe not in prime time, but maybe on a streaming network or somewhere for you to for it to be rebooted for a new generation? Um, Rich, what what are your thoughts? What are your answers to my two questions? I don't think that they should reboot this at all. I don't think they should like just keep coming up with more of them. However, they should have just kept the same original series going. And because the the way that all of these problems are solved is just like it's it's kind of almost meaningless. It's so episodic. You don't really need to build anything. It is really people already love all the characters. The professor is great. The girls are great. The villains are great. The mayor is hilarious. Um, Tom Kenny's still around. Put him to work. Uh, just keep just keep that original show going. But yeah, I think for me, uh, I'm definitely watching another for sure. Uh, but there, you definitely do not need to reboot something that people already already love this much. What about you, Max? In terms of like, does this pilot work for me? A hundred percent. It sets the tone. It gives me an understanding of its characters and what their like attitudes are going to be. I definitely find myself rooting for them and it's super effective and making me want to watch more. Something that I've noticed with doing these animated shows though, to the second question is even though we always think of them as being what like kids like at that time and place, they always feel very dated and inundated to like a time before and what inspired the person who created them. So it's like, current cartoons almost feel like they're 20 years behind the time they came out. And because of that, I don't think what makes the whole vibe of Powerpuff Girls work works anymore in 2023. And I don't think you get that goofy nostalgic charm if you make it a 21st century show. Like I don't want to see these girls doing modern things, but I don't think the classic vibe that we've talked about liking so much works anymore. So I'm just going to say, let it be. Yeah. And then to finish us off, I think that I would definitely watch more of this show, right? Like I probably am going to watch more of the show tonight in all honesty, as far as rebooting it, Max, I think you hit a really solid point. I think that sometimes having just 78 episodes is good enough. And maybe you don't build more. But we also live in a world where I just saw a clip of a studio that decided to have an entire two rows of AI actors in solo shots. So, you know, they like grabbing at money and making more of it. So if some studio decides to do that, keep it in the 50s and 60s. Try to keep it with this style. If you can... Get the original cast, do it. But don't try to bastardize this into something that it's not because it really was 
lightning in a bottle when it was made. And I hope it just stays to these 78 episodes, but I fear that someone's going to think that they're smarter than the rest of us. Um, but you know what? Fingers crossed at the end of the day. Uh, with all of that being said, our flight has come to a land. Uh, and gentlemen, I want to make sure folks can find you if they would like to. So Rich, where can folks find you? Uh, well, I'm Buttercup and I'm the toughest fighter. You can find me on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can also find original sketch comedy from Max and myself at uh, on TikTok at Deadwagon Comedy. Max, what about you? I'm Blossom the Leader, and you can find me on all things social media at Maxwell Say. And I'm Bubbles. Uh, and you can find me on social media at runjeffrun. Run. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as many social media platforms. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt side, Sign off. We look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, sugar and spice and everything nice. And chemical X.